Hello and welcome into another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. Today we're doing yet another Call of Duty episode. Now this might just be a Call of Duty podcast at this point. We're talking to Gutsy. You might know him by his name, Sebastian Martinez. He's a strong Call of Duty player. The 19-year-old qualified for the final year of the CWL champs in 2019 before jumping around to a few teams and competing in the Call of Duty Challenger circuit in the first year of the CDL as franchising took over the Call of Duty esports scene. He's also recently signed on to Epion Gaming Management, a talent agency representing primarily gamers who's going to help him navigate roster mania. On the show, we're going to be discussing the changes to the CDL format going from 5v5 to 4v4, the current system for the CDL after that first year of franchising, how it affects players, and then the upcoming roster mania and, of course, upcoming Cold War. Gunsy, thanks for joining the show, man. Hey, how's everyone doing today? Excited, Zaki. I'm a huge Call of Duty fan, and I hope our listeners are too. I think this is like four of our last seven episodes have all been uh, Call of Duty focused, including the one that was just published on Wednesday. That was with Adam Reimer, the CEO of Envy Gaming, whose Dallas Empire just won Call of Duty Champs. In that show, which we recorded before Champs, unfortunately, I recorded an intro talking about the change to the CDL that happened this last week. And I want to add a little more context to people not familiar. Less than 24 hours after everyone champs, Activision Blizzard announced the format for the next season, which changed from 5v5 to 4v4. Now, this is a bit of a return to its roots for Call of Duty Esports. 4v4 was how everything used to run. But with that change happening in a year with no expansion beyond the 12 teams of the CDL, suddenly 12 spots for pros have disappeared at the highest level. The change to 4v4 was certainly controversial with some players for it and some against it. Gutsy, where do you stand on that change? Um, honestly, it's a, it's a very huge change. I just remember growing up being younger, watching 4v4 and then seeing the expansion of 5v5 and in the amateur scene that kind of got everyone's hopes up because with it being 5v5, there's more spots, there's more opportunities. There's just, there's just more to it. Now with it going back to 4v4, um, it's just a lot of competition. I thought, I thought last year in the amateur scene, there was a lot of good talent out there and a lot of good, uh, thought anyone could be picked up this next upcoming year but now that it went back to 4v4 it's going to be a gladiator pit definitely it seemed like a lot of teams defaulted to some of the old guns the veterans who've been in call of duty for quite a long time this first year of the cdl but we also saw a lot of rookies you saw the empire Shotzi, you saw uh, mac for the new york subliners really turn around that team about mid-season you think there's value in having some of these young players you know people might recognize some of the the big names but having young players having that young energy uh, has shown to be really successful for a lot of teams yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I see a lot of the older people, the older people that com- uh, competed saying how people always forget, but I think there's just a lot of talent in the AM scene that you just have to take a chance. Like, it, There's just so much talent out there. There's so many un- people, unknown people that don't get that chance. They don't have the connections to get to the next level, but they have that potential. And I just feel like if more professional teams take a chance on the AM scene, or brought more spotlight that it can just show like the potential we have in here. Absolutely. And you know, previous success is not necessarily an indicator that you're going to continue being great at a game. Call of Duty is just a game that changes each year and esports in in all people just fall off at, at a certain point and you got to be able to make sure you're bringing in the young players, the people that can really source the AM scene. 
feel like the teams that are having the most success. Because if you could just grab a guy that was great on optic four years ago, not calling out any particular person, <laughs> maybe, uh, but, <laughs> but that's not necessarily going to be great in the CDL. So you have to make sure that you're, you're up to date with who is the best uh, on the youngest, uh, on the, the seed up and coming right now. I mean, it has been a while since we've had new players like into the scene. Like, I personally feel, I don't personally feel, but I think it's time for like a new generation, if that would make sense. Like, I'm not calling them old, but I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I talked about this a little bit with Mac on the show is that there's sort of a changing of guard. First of all, we're in the CDL, we're in an entirely new esports structure. We've already seen Jay Cap, who was one of those guys who's long time tons of success retire we saw karma retire we saw you know uh, empire wins the championship and it's uh clayster that they drop clayster yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah i couldn't remember if it was Kramer or clay for a second but yeah they they decided to drop clayster who's now a three-time world champion and keep the rookies keep some of the the other guys and so it's feels like there is a bit of a changing of the guard it's just up to some of those team managers to be like okay we're gonna take the chance on somebody who maybe doesn't have the pedigree but has the skill and then they can start just you saw with mac is hey it doesn't take long if you start having success you can start building your own brand really yeah. quickly uh thank you for actually going back on that you actually helped me bring the words but basically you said the jcap retired karma retired well people need to fill in those positions and those could be the up-and-coming amps coming onto the scene so i do agree with that actually now Definitely. And it's, you know, it's so tough to go back to 4v4 because there we were seeing this energy from all these rooks from the, from the AM scene, uh, from those uh, those under leagues. And with Call of Duty Esports not being an open ecosystem, something I want to talk about a little bit more with you, I was really hoping that, okay, we might be going back to 4v4. A lot of players were pushing for 4v4 just because it's what people were used to. But I think most people also assumed expansion was coming. If you look at the Overwatch League, which, you know, Activision Blizzard, the, a lot of the same ownership groups, a lot of the, the same franchise model, the same home series, uh, homestand weekend format. And act that expanded from 12 teams to 20 between years one and two. And I think a lot of people were hoping the CDL was going to do that too. And you can go back to 4v4, but add another eight teams. And then suddenly you've also added spots for more pros. So, was that a little bit of a surprise to see the CDL didn't add any new teams going into year two? Um, it was. It was very surprising. I heard that um, when I heard that there was no new teams like coming, I was actually surprised. And I wonder if the people pushing for 4v4 knew that there was going to be no teams. Because I feel like if they didn't know, they would change their mind just so they can have that spot. Because a lot of the pros, um, they don't really have a backup plan, I wouldn't say like. A lot of them just relied on the gaming and relied on what they could bring from that and just them being cut down from their spots like i don't know it's financial income all that stuff there's a lot of problems out there right now definitely i mean just having when you think about how many call of duty pros there used to be and roster mania is crazy then you have open qualifiers you have teams popping in from all over the place just to have 48 people in total 12 teams times four is just feels small for the Call of Duty esports ecosystem. I, I used to love where these players would come out of nowhere. They'd, they'd build fans at champs because they, they came on a run from the open bracket. And uh, I missed that aspect that we lose a little bit. Let's talk about... 
Yeah, the CWL. I just like the open stuff. I like to I like to have a team of players I'd never heard of who go on a run and are killing it. And you know, franchising. I understand why Activision Blizzard with the franchising, uh, but I think it loses some of the the really cool moments that we used to have in Call of Duty esports. But that's just me personally. You were somebody who worked who went in those open qualifiers who qualified for CWL champs in 2019. Do you miss anything about those days of open qualifiers or do you actually, or is the, the structure that franchising brings something you're a fan of? Um, I feel like there's positives and negatives for both sides. I feel like the CWL, we all grown and love and like, it was just, it was just great. Like there was just so many opportunities. There was so many events going to see everyone. There was a possibility of going into bracket playing playing against the people that you basically look up to or you want to be one of those days and now if the cdl you don't get to play against the pros you have to rely playing in the amateur scene and even if you do get that shot the pro level they're not going to see how well you would actually do against the pros so it's kind of there's negatives and cons to it that's a really good point it that's what really sets players apart because every one of you guys dominates when you play against random people. And it's really showing that you could be great against other great people. And that's what the open ecosystem did. Okay. You beat a good team. Well, now you belong on this stage. We see that you're, you're out here and in the amp seed when you're playing against other amateurs. Okay. You're the best of them, but does that translate to the next level is a question that team owners have to ask. And players somehow have to have the chance to prove it. And they're not necessarily always getting that chance. That's the biggest thing is just proving a point. Like I know in every, in the challenger scene, and especially in the pro scene, a lot of people were getting slack. Like the, uh, uh, the newbies like uh, Mac and Draza, they were saying that how they couldn't do that on land, but they just have to earn their respect, you know? Definitely. Yeah. The, uh, the land environment is a whole different type. And, you know, this was a really weird year and probably ultimately why CDL didn't expand. I feel like we should talk about that as we, as we discuss this is this was not a normal year. They didn't, they were only able to held three home series, Minnesota and a couple others, I thought. And then the pandemic hit and then everything moved online. And so maybe if they had plans to expand, those got on hold, the the uncertainty that came with this. Who knows why the CDL didn't expand, but the pandemic definitely played a part. I've asked this to every other Call of Duty player I've had, so I might as well ask you too. Who do you think gets a benefit from the move to online play? Uh, Enable said that rookies get a benefit when they move to online because they're used to playing on that circuit more recently. And Max said he thinks veterans have... Uh, a benefit on it too. I think Max said both, but uh, he was like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if it's any better for me playing online. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, do you, was the online experience something that you think gravitated easily to you? Or do you wish you could play in a land environment? I mean, I've always been called a joke. So I'm just kind of laughing here right now because if I say I would love to play on land, people are going to say stuff. But honestly, Play on land, you get the environment, you get to play with your teammates. There's there's so much to, like, it's so much easier to regain, like, in a tournament uh, mode, you know? Like, online, there's a lot of, there's a lot of miscommunication, a lot of people complaining, a lot of people saying, oh, I don't have this type of internet, I can't do that. But everyone's a joke online, okay? Like, everyone has good internet. Like, if you, if you want to compete at a high level, you'll get the speeds that you need, you'll get the internet you need, but... Everyone prefers to play on land. 
I per, I like playing on both. It doesn't matter to me, but LAN because I get to help my teammates regain and just seeing the people behind me watching and just hearing the crowd. That's just what excites me. Absolutely. That crowd energy is so big. And you're right. You just reminded me what, what Max's perspective was. He was like, yeah, maybe I played online more recently, but I got the New York crowd. I, I play for the New York Subliners. Our crowd's going to be rowdy. Our crowd's going to be great. I wish I could feed off their energy. I think that's a really valid point. Enable competing for the Seattle Surge. I don't know if they have the same rabid fan base that the New York Subliners do. No uh, no hits to to Enable, but that's just sort of how it goes. So let's let's talk about Cold War a little bit. We don't know a ton about multiplayer. It comes out September. September 9th, we're recording this September 3rd. I'm going to get this out early around the the news that it went to 4v4 because that's what we've talked about a lot. Uh, but from what we do know about Cold War, which is basically that we're going back to 4v4, uh, how, do you, how are you preparing for a new game like that? Do you just sort of wait till September 9th till we get more details about the multiplayer? Um, and then on a general perspective, how does the move to 4v4 just sort of change how you approach a game from, from the absolute top level of competition? So, with it being 4v4, a lot of teams, um, obviously the pros are dropping their fifths, but in the amateur scene, um, there's a lot of uh, DMs, a lot of uh, personal messages that go on. People want to see like who they want to team with. Right now, it's not really happening as much because the game is still two months away from. But when, once it starts getting closer to the year, I feel like People will start communicating to who they want to play with, see who didn't get picked up in the pro teams, and see who's going to come down in the challengers team. Also, with it being 4v4, I feel like roles are going to matter a lot. I feel like people, your eyes, people's eyes are going to be on the players a lot more because it's 4v4, so you need to see who's bringing what to the team, who's like kind of bringing the team back, who's not carrying their weight. So with it being 4v4, there's just a lot of pressure and a lot of eyes. Less places to hide for sure with one less player. It's uh, if there's a gap, if there's somebody who who keeps losing their their engagement, you're gonna notice that a little bit more than maybe you do on five v five. It's a good point. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna show like if you're actually a talented player or not. Because I feel like with four v four, each player makes an impact more than five v five because there's just less players. I feel like you can also do some more solo plays with 5v5 there's just almost always somebody right there following always getting the trade kind of i know what you mean it was watching champs was i because i watched the home series throughout the year but watching champs i was like wow this is a ton of trades which is what happens when you play with with some of the best players if you're going to take the time to shoot somebody the other player is going to get the jump on you that's just how that goes but I, I love the days when you had guys like Attach who would just go on these incredible runs. And it felt like this year, a lot of the um, the kill-death ratios were the exact... They were very even. There was a lot of like 50-50 splits, it felt like to me. Was that from your perspective playing throughout this whole year? Did you see a lot of that too? Or am I just... Uh, was I missing a little bit of? Nah, the, you're uh, you're one hundred percent. You're one hundred percent right. I remember in four v four is like you can see a player taking over the map a lot easier. Like it was a lot harder to drop forty or fifty kills in a four v four environment. In five v five, forties are more common, uh, especially like in S and D too. Like players dropping more numbers. Like I think the highest in this in the MW was. 16 or 18 I, I could be wrong but in a 4v4 environment dropping 16 or 18 is insane 
So I just feel like I do agree with what you're saying. Interesting. Glad to know I'm not totally off base from a fan perspective. It's always good to know. Uh, let's talk a little bit about roster mania. It's always one of the weirdest times of the year for Call of Duty esports. Roster mania was just this absolute, uh, I want to say shit show, but it, it was just a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a crazy, crazy mix up of players going left and right and new teams and drama and leaks and all this other stuff. As you enter this year, where we're in such a kind of a weird year, people seem to forget that roster mania is a two-way street. It's always about, oh, what teams are looking for? Well, players have a big say in what team they want to join. As you go to roster mania, what are you looking for? Um, and then what have you told Epion Gaming Management, your new talent agency, what have you told them that you're really looking for in a team and an org going forward? Um, well, personally, uh, I'm looking to hopefully get a substitute spot or an academy team, either in the challengers team or in the pro team. Um, I feel like I'm a young talent. Uh, like you said, you went over my accomplishments in the beginning. I qualified for champs my first event with two of my teammates having zero pro points. And I didn't get much spotlight about it. I didn't really care. I went to... I didn't know we that. Ended up, we, ended up, we ended up preparing uh, the whole... Like the end of champs, scrimming the same team because none of the teams would want to scrim us. So I went to champs... One map away from pool play, all I had to do was beat Elevate. <laughs> I ended up beating the Miami Open champs, like, chaining them. So that was pretty nice. I didn't place last, which was good. Um, going into the MW season, um, had, like, a shit show beginning of the year. I had, like, a lot of uh, potential coming into the year. And then Minnesota, we didn't, like, perform as well, but... I don't know. I just feel like I deserve, a, I, I deserve more than I have now because... I'm kind of going to go on a ramble here, but I I played football all my life. I work a nine to five job. I go to school and I still find somehow how to compete and play at a, at a, at a top level. Like I've done a lot and I, I go through a lot to compete at this level. And some of the players in the amateur scene, they're blessed, you know, they don't, they don't have to worry about other problems, but the fact that I can, I have all this other problems and i'm still putting in 100 percent. like it's just crazy how i can outperform a lot of these players shouts out to you man that's awesome it, you're right it's not uh, it's hard to do uh, an esports career like this when, when other people are dedicating eight nine ten hours a day and you just don't have that luxury you got school you've got work you've got football it's hard to compete with some of those players you can feel like you're you got your work cut out for you but it also if, if somebody's really paying a lot of attention that's the kind of player you want to invest in. Someone who's had success at this top level, but hasn't had the means to fully be able to, to practice a scrim all the time. That means that you got another level that you could reach and you're already having success against, you know, players like you mentioned, against some really good, good teams. So, you know, if anyone's listening to this, this show and you're, you're looking for somebody, some young blood to bring into your, uh, your Call of Duty roster, I, you got to look at my man Gunsy right now. I'm not saying I'm the best, but I just feel like uh, I've been overlooked a lot. I mean, I've always, like, my team's still overlooked. Like, in the challenger scene, we, we didn't get the credit we deserved, and those guys deserve a lot. Like, those guys went through everything that I did. They have their own personal problems, and we just want to, we just want credit, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Brett, 
Diamond from uh, the Minnesota Rocker. I had you on this podcast two weeks ago. If you're still listening, uh, you need to check out my man, my man Gunsy. Look for your academy team. He's got a, he's got an opportunity for you. I'll try to do my best to plug you, man. If I, can. <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple. I know a couple pro players. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe they put in hey, a good word. Hey, I think we see we saw a lot of teams that had success were led by good young people, and I'm hoping that. As we go into this year now, the, the change in format makes it really tough. You know, if we were still 5v5 and expanding, suddenly there's a ton of new spots that open up. And unfortunately, the league is shrinking, uh, which is sad and also really not indicative of its success. You know, the home series weren't able to go off without a hitch, but the finals saw a new Call of Duty esports record. This game's been around for uh, 11 years or so in, in the esports scene, and they had 330... 330,000 viewers for that final between FaZe and the Empire. And so Call of Duty Esports are in a great spot. And if you're going to have a team and you want a good young player to succeed in it, you know, you got to look at the AMC and you got to look at some of these people who have competed. You mentioned the academy teams. Can we talk a little bit about how the current system works and how uh, the farm leagues work? Is there any way you'd want to improve the current system where it's uh, each team gets a franchise spot and that also comes with an academy spot. Does it work from a minor league perspective or are players still not getting the opportunities they need to, to shine on the highest level? Well, I wouldn't say that they aren't getting the level that they should. Um, Bay's academy is Tom Gravity. Uh, Tom Gravity is an excellent player, but he's he's got those connections to phase. You know, Goonjar. He has the connections to Optic Gaming. I'm not discrediting any of these players. These two players have made their name. They've done stuff on land. They've done everything. But I'm just talking about from an outside perspective. Like maybe, I don't know. Um, there's just a lot of amateur players that may not get the shot to get the the academic teams because we don't have the connections, if that makes sense. I just feel like teams shouldn't just rely on friendships and stuff like that. They should actually rely on, okay, what does this player bring to us? What can he do for us? Or what can, how can he help our players on the pro level and have them help us? You know, it, it shouldn't just be all about friendships. I feel like. Yeah, I'd agree with that too. And we've seen success from people that are willing to prioritize skill and and the the top players. You know, it was a really weird roster mania for CDL specifically. And Brett talked about this a little bit on the podcast is they joined the league. They just decided, hey, we're going to get in Call of Duty. And then suddenly everyone's a free agent and there's this mad dash. And naturally, it's going to be some of the people, you know, the rocker signed somebody like Silly. It's going to be the people that have had previous success because you just feel like you need to scramble and grab somebody. So hopefully after having all these new ownership groups come in, some of them who had really not a lot of background in Call of Duty esports or maybe in esports at all. They just had to grab a roster. And hopefully in this coming year, we see people who have been in the scene for an entire year. They see the success that some of the young people have had, and they've had time to do the proper scouting. So I'm hoping for this roster mania, we see a lot of new uh, young names pop up. And uh, even going into this next season of the CDL, we see some of those young names get a chance on the starting roster. Teams not being afraid to plug in some of the academy guys to try and mix things up. Uh, we saw that success with Mac and the New York Subliners, as we've mentioned. So I'm hoping that with uh, with some time, with a little bit of time to get settled to Call of Duty Esports in general, people start recognizing 
the AMC and they start recognizing the academy players and they start giving them more chances at the top level. Even some older players too, like Stamino and Parasite, like those guys have been consistent in the AMC scene. They still can't find a pro spot. Like that is insane to me. That's got to be tough. I miss the uh, I miss the open ecosystem for that reason. You succeed, you have it's all up to you, and you know it's not about somebody giving you the shot to to compete. You if you win, you could win and you could win, and then suddenly you're playing against. Uh, you know, Optic or or 100 Thieves or whoever is the top, you know, back in the CWL. These are obviously not CDL teams. Well, I guess Optic is, but not the not old Optic. Um, and it's, you know, I, I miss those days because I feel like it's just great because it gives players the opportunity to compete if they deserve it. If they win, they get to keep going on. But, you know, with franchising comes uh, a whole new ecosystem and it's going to be some kinks that have to be worked out, no doubt about it. Let's finish up a little bit as we enter Roster Mania. Now we still got another five days till multiplayer comes out. So you've just signed with Epion Gaming Management. Roster Mania is always just this absurd mix of teams and players and drama and leaks and all this other stuff that happens. How does having a talent agency help you navigate things like Roster Mania? Why did you decide to sign with Epion going into this year? Um, he just, Charles, I've known him for a while, about three years now. He's just been a great guy. He's always tried helping me out. He's always been there when I needed him. And right now, like I said, I'm going to school, I'm working and I just don't have the time to go out and message every single CDL team to try to get my name out there as much as possible. Like he's going out of his way. He set up this podcast with, with you, Mitch. He went out of his way to hey let's let's help Sebastian on here because he's doing his best to get me in the best position possible and I appreciate that a lot because I know like him his orgs like me as a player I wasn't really taken serious his org a lot of people may have talked down on him but I know what Charles can bring for me and I know what he can provide so I'm I'm looking forward to this relationship I'm hoping I can make it and you know show the love back to Charles too. For sure. Shout out to Charles. Yeah, he brought you on this uh, the show, and he was he was smart about it. He there was a you know he saw the four v four five v five. He was like, hey, do you want a really top guy from an AMC scene on your podcast? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's a great conversation. So, you know, that's just a good agent right there who who sees an opportunity and gets his players in positions. I you know I don't want to overinflate the importance of this podcast, but I think we've got some listeners. We definitely got some Call of Duty fans. So, you know, at the very least get your name out there. Um and you know if if my man Brett Diamonds listening to this, you get get a shot at it, hopefully. Brett Diamonds, that's a badass slam, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it is a badass name. Brett, you is, hear this? <laughs> Brett Diamonds. Yeah. yeah, it's a great name. He's the he's the COO of Wise Venture Esports, the company behind uh, the Minnesota Rocker. So he was on this show uh, just a couple weeks ago when they entered Rocket League and we talked a little bit about, about the upcoming champs. So, you know, if he's listening, uh, I hope somebody gets a shot. But I think as he was talking about it too, he really shed a lot of light on like, we came into here and we just had to have a roster. Like we didn't have time to wait. We just had to get people on our roster. And now he feels a lot more comfortable with the Call of Duty esports scene. So I think a guy like him, and I'm sure that's true for most of the CDL teams with this whole gear because um, there's a lot of new ownership groups. It's, it's the first. It's the first yeah. year too. It's the first year, so I mean, mistakes are gonna happen. Right. You just don't. Yeah. When you when you sign up, you, you look at teams like Cronky Sports Entertainment. You know, there's only three or four. Even Atlanta Phase isn't. 
know, phase plays a part in them, but it's Atlanta esports ventures. It's these other these other companies that are just getting into esports and they don't totally understand how to source people from the AM scene, it feels like. So hopefully uh, with an entire year, being able to see the competition, see how it played out, we see a lot more of that. Awesome. Well, Gunsy, we're going to wrap up this show right now. Where do you want people looking out for? Where do you want them following? Plug your social media, uh, plug your skills, plug whatever you want to plug, man. In the chat? Uh, plug it on the on the voice, but then I'll also oh, link voice. everything too. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. So uh, if you guys want to keep up to date uh, on my Twitter, it's uh, Gunsy with an underscore. Uh, I'm going to link it. I usually stream here and there. I'm going to try to be more uh, consistent this upcoming year. I might, I might possibly, might possibly quit my job and go full force. So we'll see about that. But I appreciate you having me on the, on the podcast. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I'm happy to happy to have you on. I'm glad we could talk a little bit about Call of Duty esports, about these changes that are happening to the CDL. And I'll be sure to link uh, Gunsy's Twitter, his streaming channel, whether that's you. I assume that's YouTube with, uh, uh, Twitch. with Call of Duty. Twitch? Okay. I wasn't sure because they got that YouTube deal. I wasn't sure if more people had switched over uh, to streaming live on YouTube. But I'll link his Twitch. I'll link his Twitter in the bio of this podcast. Be sure to check it out. And again, yeah, if you're uh, the decision maker on a Call of Duty team, hit up my man. Thank you so much. Cheers. That, this was uh, the episode of the Esports Network podcast. We have another episode coming for you this coming Tuesday. That's with Justin Jacobson and OG King Kurt from the NBA 2K League. Justin just got a job uh, managing Ford Models, a talent agency that specializes in fashion models and is expanding into esports and influencers. So he comes uh, on the show to talk about that and OG King Kurt, one of his first clients, talking about the NBA 2K League sports sims and the direction of that whole esports scene, which is a fascinating listen. So uh, if you want more esports content, be on the lookout for that show coming this Tuesday.